0: It wasn't long ago that Dad, when asked if he'd go and check out a haunted site in person, said this.
1: Well, I'm never doing this again. Ever. 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 I'm fucking never doing this again.
0: Well, last week he was invited to Cockatoo Island, the same apparently haunted site that we dealt with in the first episode of this season. The same island where the ghost of a little girl, Minnie Man, is reported to have haunted visitors. So when dad was invited to go and do a sunset tour of the place, I just assumed, you know, that he'd say no. But guess what? The numpty said yes. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. And we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases, but the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. So this season, we're going to take a look at hauntings, Ghost stories and the crimes behind them, because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. So, Dad, part of being Australian is being very much aware of the whole convict thing. You know, when you talk to people overseas, and the thing they kind of all dwell on is the fact that, you know, we're a country of convicts, and we're basically a dumping ground for kind of the worst of the worst from the UK being shipped out on prison ships. Hmm. And because in the late 18th century, London's prison system was—it was like buckling because mm. the crime rate was just going. It was ratchet. The- but was you de- <laughs> know,
1: they had um, no, they had they had ships called hulks. Yeah. Um, not to be confused with the superhero. Yes. The Thames River
0: was chock a block, full of hulks. Can you imagine living near the Thames and just having huge barges full of criminals? I mean, look, let's be honest. Given the, I would say objective corruptibility of law and order, I would say mm. in the 18th century, there were probably quite a few decent people on those boats. but oh, without a doubt. And there were systems that kind of furrowed people there. But I, I think... So, between 1787 and 1868, about 166,000 convicts, and now that's, that's not just the burly mm. blokes, that's men, women, children, families, mm. Mm. were shipped across and sent to all different sites. And in early 1839, the governor of New South Wales told the secretary for war and the colonies. Isn't that a funny thing to be secretary of? What a a state. Anyway, so he said that he wanted to establish a penal colony on Cockatoo Island. Now, Mm. that's what this episode is about. We're talking Mm. about Cockatoo Island. We obviously talked to an expert back in episode one who said that she, you know, was there and there were some hauntings going on. Cockatoo Island has a pretty messed up history. It was basically the Alcatraz of Sydney, right? Mm. It's mm. surrounded by very deep water. It's, mm. it's very hard to escape. And there's a quote here that I found in terms of look, Dad, if you're looking for a site to strand sketchy convicts on, right, or, you know, completely innocent people who are mm. trapped on an island against their will, if you're looking for somewhere to put them under military escort and house them, what are the, some of the kind of um, criteria that you would look for if you were a sort of mean, angry, 18th century prison warden?
1: Well, it's in the middle of the harbour. Yeah. Now, I was actually doing some some, some fact checking mm-hmm. about shark attacks in Sydney Harbour. Okay. Now There are recorded shark attacks that go back
0: to that very period. Right, because my assumption would be there's lots of boats. It's near buildings. I know I'm ignorant, but like, are, you, are you saying that there are lots of sharks in Sydney Harbour? Paul? there have been many many shark attacks in sydney but, harbour but you dived into
1: sydney harbour to rescue somebody once were you not yeah, worried i was well on that particular day no but i've also done the swim twice from the harbour bridge to manly all right which is about 12k and yeah you think about sharks of course and i used to dive for bottles in the harbour but you know look let's face it not a lot of people in the 18th century mm-hmm. could swim that's a fact i guess that's a I've been on that island, Paul, and I hope to take you and Tegan onto the island when you're up here next.
0: It is quite an extraordinary place. Now, I have to ask you something based on the fact that you've been there. So, this is going to blow your mind. So, on the 21st of February in 1839, Cockatoo Island received its first batch of convicts, Mm. and they were shipped over from Norfolk Island, which was full. They just get kind of filling up islands with convicts, basically. So they get the prisoners across and they've got a military escort and the description of the island at the time was without water and abound with snakes. First of all, now- (laughs) I mean, that's fascinating. I wonder, you know that snakes are very good swimmers, of course. I did not. No, please don't tell me that.
1: No, they are. I have have been up in the Blue Mountains when I did a mad hiking trip with, you're not going to believe this, with Mm. Julian. Oh. He and I did this insane camping trip with another guy who's like a prepper on speed. And it was a nightmare for us on that particular trip because Julian and I carried so many sort of um, kilos of food. It was so funny. And our friend, he uh, he roughed it. He made like a, a swag out of grass and we slept in a tent. But I remember there was a... Stream nearby, and we were swimming in it. And this dirty, great, big brown snake came swimming down. And boy, oh boy, we crapped ourselves.
0: Dad, it's a problem for me that snakes can swim on so many levels. Also, I built this fucking moat for nothing. Anyway, Dad, snakes aside, I just Mm. find it interesting that they got to this terrible island with these people, these poor convicts, right? Just shipped Mm. around and they're filthy and they're tired. First of all, the view would be stunning at this point, but you get to this island and it's just. Fucking snakes, anyway. Mm. No, beautiful the- view. But yeah. interesting you mentioned Norfolk
1: Island because the the sort of the warden of Cockatoo Island yeah. was ex Norfolk Island. You've heard of the Norfolk Pine.
0: No, I haven't. Oh, well, with the Norfolk they, Island Pine, yes. Yes, yeah, so I they
1: have. dot, they're all along Manly Beach. They were mm. initially grown as masts for the early uh, sailing ships. That's fascinating. So mm. I didn't know that. That's no, fascinating. No. Okay. So, um, you know, they set up this. They had like a military barracks.
0: Well, you mentioned the warden, um, whose name was Gotha uh, Gotha Man, and last and in episode one of the show, I told the ghost story about Minnie Man, who was this girl. That, that's that's his daughter. So it's the warden's daughter. So the superintendent, Charles Ormsby, uh, he was suspended from administration of another jail. So basically, he was a super dodgy dude, Mm -hmm. the kind of scary guy you don't want to be trapped on an island with, basically. Mm I mean, this place had no naturally occurring water. They had to ship it in from the mainland. It was an absolute nightmare. So this Ormsby guy was kind of punted in 1859. So there were all these inquiries into his management of Cockatoo Island. I'm going to read this from the official Cockatoo Island government website. The final inquiry in 1858 revealed widespread corruption and illegal undertakings. These included the pervasiveness of alcohol and other contraband, fine with that, convict boxing matches, a little bit dodgy, and the poor discipline of prisoners. So basically, it was an absolute mess. And after Ormsby was kicked out, man comes in and man's daughter is uh, Man, the ghost who apparently uh, haunts this place. So... At that point, there's all kinds of incredible stories around Cockatoo Island. There's one that we really want to dig into at some point, which is the escape of Frederick Ward, who was this prisoner who famously pulled off this incredible escape. But the condition that the convicts lived under was not great. And you mentioned last week on The Shadow Files that trauma is one of the major things, you know, Mm. that kind of makes these- Mm. And can I just say, Dad, very quickly- uh, we have had a lot of interesting responses to that episode and quite a few responses uh, to that noise that was heard towards the end of the episode. Mm. Um, we can talk about that more at another time. Mm. But what I will say is that we started this show very, very recently and you were sitting in the skeptics camp and I was sitting in the believers camp. Mm. And I gotta say, I'm swinging a little bit skeptic. And it sounds like after your visit to Cockatoo Island in person mm. at night, mm. you might be swinging slightly in the other direction. Do you mm. think that's fair to say? Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: And also um, the dreaded parkway night as well. Yes. So, it's sort of things that come together. Mm. But you've got to be careful in these situations. You don't sort of, because I do have a fertile imagination. So, I don't sort of want to amplify things too much because I start to then think I'm actually going insane.
0: You don't want to buy into your own bullshit, basically. No, that's right. So,
1: I I really, really try and pull back and observe, be open-minded. I was definitely, definitely skeptical. Prior
0: to going on to Cockatoo Island. But Cockatoo Island is sort of an interesting site for you to visit, particularly, because as an ex-police officer, you dealt with prisoners being interred. And there were quite a few cells that you've been to and that you, you know, put prisoners into that were very old convict era cells, right? Mm -hmm. You know, this is a- This country has a proud history of- Well, not proud. It has a history of interring people for a long, long time and- The fact that there's an island sitting in sydney harbour which was ostensibly you know not built but but the settlement on it was built to house convicts specifically that's that's what it was for the conditions they lived under were really interesting because the conditions of prisoners in prisons concerns me greatly anyway but um i'm going to read from this excerpt cockatoo islands convicts lived in a cramped poorly ventilated and foul-smelling quarters Wards intended to accommodate up to 300 prisoners were at times occupied by nearly 500. Further, the communal tubs that functioned as toilets were often left standing for hours. This lack of hygiene led to bedbugs, fleas, rats, and disease. Oh. On top of this, convicts were required to complete backbreaking work, such as excavating sandstone to earn two meals a day. Breakfast was a serving of bland porridge. I mean, I've been to health food places that serve worse than that. And dinner consisted of meat and bread. If a convict didn't complete their work, they went to bed hungry. What's weird about that era, Dad, is it just does seem like that sort of Mm. relentless, ruthless toil for very little reward was sort of de rigueur. But, I mean, when you went to the island, what was your vibe? And could you, as an ex-cop, what's it like going to places where prisoners were treated less than ideally? I guess one of the things that, as if that's not horrific, and and
1: let's don't forget, Paul, that, there would have been some really, really bad, scary, terrible, evil scumbags. Mm. That that's a fact as well. Of course, yeah. so We don't mm. we don't sort of we all hear these you know romanticised stories of it. Oh yes, you know someone stole a you know a silk handkerchief and they ended up in Australia. You know it's and, and yes, that did happen. Of course, um, it's almost as though at a certain point they almost wanted to get more and more people and sort of. You know, they'd probably lower the, I just, it's a weird time and it's a weird place. And, you know, this island is, um, it's got a really calm initial sort of the vibe. When I stepped onto that island uh, last week
0: was, it was very, very calm, serene. But dad, I think it's worth winding it back because you actually went to Cockatoo Island. Now I'm assuming that you went there during the day when it was sunny, and then left before it got dark, right? Mm, it was it was getting
1: dark. Okay. It was, it was sort of on the cusp. Um, but so I was invited by um, one or two of this paranormal group. Mm-hmm. I met up with uh, the other uh, the guy on the island. Fascinating, fascinating bloke. But how did you get to the island? Oh, we caught a ferry from Circular Quay, War Five at 4.47 p.m. on the Friday and I met up with the, uh, the, you know, the lady that's the paranormal investigator and also um, she's in the New South Wales Police Force and we sat for about 20 minutes just chatting about, you know, trading police stories, getting to sort of know each other, then hopped on the ferry, headed out and arrived at this island. Um, Arrived on the other side of the island because I'd actually been there... I thought I'd only ever been there once before, and that was when I was investigating that terrible fatality, when I was in work cover authority. Then um, the, the, the couple explained to me that I'd actually arrived on the other side of the island. How big is the island, by the way? Look, you can walk around the island in, I mean, a leisurely stroll would be, I guess, half an hour to walk around it so it's not a huge island right Uh, and it's primarily just sandstone sticking out of it's surrounded by water Hmm. it's i was (laughs) just imagining if you had an incredible amount of like billions and billions of dollars you could uh you know you could approach the state government and say i'd I'd really like to buy this island uh because it's it's just so it's awesome right it's just quite magnificent and from i was going to say from the front of the island but There is no front to an island, but I guess if you're on the eastern side, you're looking sort of towards the harbour bridge, and there were yachts, and it was just beautiful. There was a breeze blowing, and I was very, I was a little bit nervous. Um, You know, I hadn't met this guy before. i just met the girl, Uh, and then they were both carrying backpacks, and they obviously, I didn't know at the time, but they had various sort of really interesting gizmos and gadgets inside their backpacks. And these two are real. They've, they've been all over the world. So we're walking around, just kind of getting a bit of a vibe. And we started to walk not only around the island, but we started to slowly climb because the superintendent's quarters and the barracks and the female prison were on the very, very top of the island. And it is some, they, they used to execute people on the island, they used to hang them, but weirdly... No one knows where the gallows are. So I actually got to do, use a little bit of my own detective work based on my experience because I've done quite a few archaeological digs over the years with Julian. What?
0: What? Yeah. What do you mean
1: archaeological digs? Paul, when Julian and I, you know how we used to collect bottles. Yeah. Well, what I haven't told you, and I'm, shit, I don't know whether I should say this because I'll probably be pilloried. But we used to volunteer. I feel really bad saying this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The two of us used to volunteer to do archaeological digs in Sydney, and then we used to go back at night time and really go hard on the digs, looking for bottles. No, yes, no, no that's not okay. I know it's not. That's
0: but- that's that's shocking.
1: Yep. Yeah. But can I also say that these were what are called destructive archaeological digs which means they do the dig and as they're going they actually destroy the the dig because it's going to be sort of some you know office block or road so it's called destructive archaeological digging so they they, they sort of register and they collate and they take samples as they're going down 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 so Julian and I just to sort of accelerate things a little bit We'd go back in the wee hours, like midnight, one in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we, cause we'd already done certain reconnaissance during the day. And we always used to laugh because the, the best place to find old bottles is, can you guess where the best place sort of going back in history would be? A very old pub. I don't know. I mean, I would have said the bottom of the harbour, thanks to
0: your information. Well, there was, you
1: there, was, there was a lot of sort of stuff thrown into the harbour, but if it was sort of, for example, a cobbled street with some terraces in the 1700s, early 1800s, what would happen is you'd go to the back door and you'd walk out of the back door into a yard and you'd have a um, like a pit or a well and you'd just throw or where you'd go to the toilet you'd just throw things down there but what happened over years is that it would leave sort of a bit of a like a sort of what's the word like a bit of a dip in in the land and so you'd imagine where the back door was because sometimes there just was obviously no it's an archaeological dig but you'd figure out and you'd ask questions of the archaeologists you know where did they think the back door was then you'd stand in that position and you'd look out to where the backyard was and you'd see sort of a a bit of a dip and then you'd you'd mentally take a note of it then we'd go back at night time and and dig the wells,
0: and the and the dunnies. What have you destroyed? Given that it was dark, what have you destroyed? Amazing historical artifacts. Uh, no, we just we just we just sort of we look. There are two ways you can do archaeology in Sydney. Yeah, properly and your way. Hang on, yeah. did you did you just go in and are you fucking <laughs> pilfering? Uh, that's 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 conjecture. <clears throat> the word pilfer. No, um, what you're doing is it sounds like what you were doing was, and I'm going to use this word quite literally, criminal borderline um, no not borderline you hypocrite you yeah, t- 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 I concur and I agree oh and I God. feel bad about it you know where you belong fucking but, Cockatoo Island it's but, but a on, long but, overdue prison sentence
1: Paul, for you Paul hear me out guess ultimately with these digs they just yeah. run a bulldozer over them and just I mean that look we could talk about this
0: for hours but yeah they get there and go oh, there's nothing here bulldoze it anyway <laughs> it's because these two <laughs> cretinous off-duty <clears throat> cops came back at night Dad, mm. this is this is appalling. You know what? Yes, you belong on Cockatoo Island, right? Mm. So when you say you have experienced some archaeological digs, you mean you're a thief, All right? No, we, so- we
1: in fairness, we also participated in the digs during the day using right. toothbrushes. That's worse.
0: And That's worse. They so trusted you, but
1: <laughs> <the> Paul. <pole.
0: laughs> Fucking hell!
1: No, look, they would find little 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 shards, <laughs> and we'd come back at night time and get. The really good stuff.
0: That's abominable. For a few mm. measly bucks, you would bulldoze history. Paul, it's not for money. You Montebank. All right. So, you, you know, 30 years later, are getting your comeuppance, shitting, you, filling your britches on Cockatoo Island. Right. Mm. So, you get to the island. You're with the two experts. Mm. They've got backpacks full of gizmos and whatnot. Mm. And you were just pointing out before we got derailed, in typical loose unit style, that you were going to flex your archaeological mu- mm. muscles by mm. what? Stealing something? No, no, no. I explained to these two lovely people that,
1: <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we, because it's really important, because we were trying to establish where the gallows were.
0: Okay, okay. Because it's yeah. something
1: that has been lost mm. in the annals of that particular place. Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk about trauma, imagine getting all the prisoners to gather around in this sort of a quadrangle. And then apart from having a totally shitty life, there's just nothing good about being a prisoner on this island. And then having to watch more than likely someone you knew being hung by the neck until dead. And then they would obviously, well, not obviously, but in my opinion, they probably buried them on the island as well. Or they oh. I don't know how they disposed of the bodies. <clears throat> but this all comes down to the trauma. So occasionally what they would do is if all that's not bad enough, To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com
0: slash weightloss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. And it's
1: pretty, I mean, just imagining sort of going to the toilet is just, it's depressing. But then what they used to do is that they used to drop people down into solitary confinement, which has always kind of amazed me. And I've had the same thing, I've experienced the same thing at Port Arthur. And that is the concept that it's already the worst place on earth. And then they have solitary confinement, which is And they've got these three cells and they would drop the bodies alive, of course, down into these, oh God, look, it's just upsetting. So that was the first real point of call that night, Mm -hmm. that that late afternoon. So, And I was, to be very, very, very open and honest, and everyone, I I need to say this, I was 100% sceptical before I went into these very, very confined spaces. You couldn't stand up. So you're hunched over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You go into these these cells that are so tiny. You could... I'm trying to sort of... I mean, golly, I'm trying to sort of give an analogy. Imagine a normal car, sedan, split it down the middle. So it's kind of from, from front to back. So it's half a car wide. And it's about, it's like trying to stand up inside a car, basically. You just can't do it. And when I walked inside, the the lovely girl, she was at the back of the cell. The guy was at the front and I'm in the middle. I'm leaning up against one of the walls. As I said, I couldn't stand straight. And they took out of the backpack a couple of devices. One of the devices was very impressive. For someone that doesn't know anything about these sorts of things to think that there are actually um, you know people out there that manufacture this equipment and it's very, very sensitive. So be actually look just go back a little bit before we went into the first cell. So there are three cells. <clears throat> they set up this particular gadget and they were waiting and sort of I'm sort of sitting there and I was almost willing something to happen. I really wanted and I was feeling a little bit sort of I wanted for them for something to happen. Mm -hmm. Because they've gone to a lot of trouble to show me, to take me, to be, you know, they're really, they've pulled out all stops. And it's kind of, I guess it's like, I'm trying to come up with an analogy um, where I guess it's like doing a tour to a really famous place and something incredible is going to happen. And all of a sudden, um, a cloud sort of goes over and you never get to see that, that comet that hasn't been seen for 70 years of a bloody cloud so but but all the organizers are all excited there's a lot of hype there I there was actually no hype to be fair these these are hardened serious you know paranormal investigators but in my mind I was almost sort of willing something to happen I wanted it I was kind of focusing all my energy all my mental energy on please please and because I felt a bit sort of sorry for them you know in a kind of a weird way So, nothing happened. And then, but the the girl, she was sort of, she was asking questions, sort of trying to elicit a response, which Mm. I've never ever seen or heard done before, but I started to sort of get the hang of that. And then we went into the second cell, and we went through the same procedure.
0: Sorry, just to be clear, asking
1: questions, was she asking questions of you? No, no, of of the, (laughs) no. Okay. Of the potential, mm. um, you know the the spirit, I guess spirits. Right. right. So like it's the, just going for the direct approach. The direct approach, which kind of really, really surprised me. I found fa- mm. I found it at first. I found it pretty unusual. Um, perhaps it was like going into a church for the first time and of another denomination that you know nothing about, like going into some temple and watching some ceremony taking place and you kind of you don't really understand what you're seeing but you understand that what they're doing is you know well thought out you know based on on historical sort of you know procedures so I'm watching it anyway nothing happened in cells one two one and two <clears throat> we then came out and they were being really just this was totally normal to them and I'm just sort of a, a bystander we go into the third, cell bearing in mind these are for solitary confinement and they place this particular object on the ground now this object it only reacts if there's something there apart from us something that you that i can't explain and i was just expecting the entire sort of procedure to be repeated with a negative result And then all of a sudden the girl, she, she'd asked a series of questions and they were all interesting questions about her, this person or this presence about the past that they'd experienced.
0: Was she referring to a specific person based on
1: knowledge about, oh, right. No, she was just talking to, they know that it's a female because directly above is the female, you know, quarters they dropped the girls down into the solitary. And I I think it was just a generic female sort of, you know, questioning, uh, leaning, and then all of a sudden the last question, and this is just, this is God's, like, I just saw it happen and I just thought, fuck, this is, and it really shocked me and I was really, really kind of, I didn't know what to say. I I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking, shit, this is, and that really gave me a jolt. So what happened was she asked a question and, and we're all standing well away from this object, this electronic device. There's just, I almost kind of wanted it to be a setup where they could have some, because uh, all, all the sorts of things that were going through my mind was maybe they've got a little like a gadget inside their pocket and they can squeeze it to activate this thing. But that's, that's, just, that's not how it works. And this thing is just sitting there and I have not, I've never even seen it work before. And then she says to this, to the room, basically, she says, I'm sorry, um, we're disturbing you. Would you like us to leave? And all of a sudden, the fucking thing goes off. I'm watching it. It reacted to that particular question. And then the girl asked them the question and the guy, they had a bit of a laugh because. And they kind of acknowledged that this particular um, presence in this cell wanted us to fuck off. And now I, I, I just saw it, and yeah, I can't, I can't explain it, and I don't think you can say that. That's I just can't put it down to anything else. Did you
0: see? Did you see anything else when you were on the island? Oh god, mate, I haven't even started. That's
1: just the first little story, and then we we left. And we went uh, sort of up this side path and, and listeners and Paul, I'm telling you this, I'm just being very, very genuine and honest to let you all know that I would go up to windows and peer inside and I was wanting to see someone or something inside these creepy, you know, 200 year old houses.
0: Doesn't just, that make you doesn't that make you sort of an easy mark in that you are so willing to see something no, that you might No,
1: that's no because I we, we, we discussed on the island um hypnotism I can't be hypnotized I I've, I've been to lots of things big events where and there are, a lot of people just can cannot be hypnotized and I can't be So I'm not susceptible but I all also you you kind of get into the whole vibe and but Paul you can't wish to see something and then something appears that's impossible that's not how it works so then i just started to relax and i just thought you know what and the and the guy that he was he is so laid back he's so kind of rational he's 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 just a really good bloke there's no bullshit with these people they're straight shooters it happens or it doesn't happen they don't care so but I was sort of walking behind them and we're, we're going up and up into the island. And then I, I, I had to say to both of them, and this is, this is not in my mind, but I will tell you now that the, the island, depending on where you are on the island, it has very, very different feelings and vibes. That is a fact. And then, you know how I said I'd only been on the island once before to investigate that fatality? We walked into this giant giant like a warehouse it used to have a lathe in fact the lathe is still there parts of it and they used to actually turn propeller shafts for ships and submarines we're talking massive machinery and then all of a sudden I got this weird feeling and I looked over to this machine and I commented on this particular machine and both of them looked at me and said that machine that you're looking at It had this really, really kind of sad, just depressing vibe. And they said to me that a guy died on that particular machine. And then I realized, Paul, and it was a bit of a shock to me that I actually had been on the island once before. And when I was doing my apprenticeship at the end of the third year, uh, the technical college took us all on a tour to Cockatoo Island when it was a working island. And I remember standing in that same spot, as a probably 18 year old. So I'd been there before and I just had never, I always thought it was another island called Garden Island. So that was a bit weird. And then we continued the tour and they were explaining all sorts of things to me about various you know, houses and and the the barracks. We went into all these things and, and there was just this kind of weird pall of basically sadness and misery. Yes, that can be all in my mind. But then we walked to the front of the governor's house. I think he had 13 children, one of the governors. And they're telling us various stories about inside. We started to walk down and there's a tennis court on the right. um, And the house was to the left. We're going down these stairs and all of a sudden, and I haven't told you this, Paul, um, and this is unexplainable, but I had this, I just wanted to talk to these two people. They were just in front of me. And when I went to talk to them, I couldn't talk. I, I utterly could not talk. I couldn't get the words out of my mouth. And it was very unnerving, slightly a little bit creepy. It's never happened to me before in
0: 61 and a half years. Were you being able, you not being able to talk is definitely unnatural.
1: Paul. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> When you say you couldn't talk, what what did you mean? What do you mean? No, I just, the words were stuck in my mouth. Right. I felt as though my mouth was full of cotton wool. Mm. Uh, Paul, you you sound a bit, you don't sound that impressed or you're not kind of thinking it's weird or.
0: Not really. I mean, it just I mean, there's been times. No, no,
1: I couldn't, I couldn't get the words out. That's something I don't have a problem with. You know, I can talk underwater with my mouth full of marbles.
0: Maybe I had a small stroke. Geez, you're a barrel of laughs. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's, there's, no, there Paul, are there, just... dad, there are cognitive reasons no, for sometimes you get tongue-tied. Like that's a thing. Paul, this was not tongue-tied.
1: I wanted to talk to them about this kind of weird mm. place I was in. We were going down between there was a old, like an ancient, disused. I find old tennis courts that are overgrown with the mm. roller and the whole, just the. I find them
0: really depressing. Right. Do you? Do you have any feelings about old tennis courts? Yeah, it's weird because they're kind of semi-recent, historically speaking. But so, it feels like something's gone wrong. Yeah, and, but yeah, some yeah. people
1: used to have a, a jolly time on playing tennis, mm-hmm. you know, hitting balls in their sort of maxi skirts from the 1920s, whatever. That's that's the the vision I had. And I explained to them. I said, look, I... And I told them and I felt a bit... I was almost a bit embarrassed telling them this story and they totally got it and they explained to me what that means that kind of means that, according to them, that someone or something wanted to say something through me. Am I starting to say, fuck. I was in two minds whether or not to talk about this, Paul. It's a big thing for me to sit here, Paul, and bear my heart about something that I actually am very skeptical about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What I'm curious about is, because what we're trying to do in this show... Is explore the link between crime and you know apparent hauntings. Mm-hmm. So what I'm really curious about is what I'm really curious about is when you were there, were you thinking about the you know the crimes that led these people? You know, were you curious about the kind of the, the things behind the That's stories so, behind that? Them? Is
1: so fascinating that question. It's such a great question, and weirdly, Paul, the answer is no. Right. I was not concerned. I just knew that people were there. But one very depressing thing I did find out about all the women and young girls, I mean all the females, they were pretty well all pregnant because the sailors used to come to the island because it was also a working island mm. and you've got all the, all the, you know, the, the garrison and, and 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 they they must have taken advantage of these young girls. So not only were they just in a totally, oh my, it's so upsetting. But then to get pregnant, and just you know, it's, it's just. just
0: uh, I'm curious as to what happened after you'd kind of done this tour. I mean, at that point, what what time was it at that point? It was it was it
1: was on the cusp. The sun was setting over Sydney. Yep. And we made our way back to to uh, the the wharf, and I was feeling pretty odd by that stage. I just can't quite enunciate my my exact feelings, but I definitely felt that something was pretty weird. I had discussed with the 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 two people um, about. Me going to Wakehurst Parkway, and they, the lovely girl, said to the guy, "Look, perhaps John should take this particular object, this gadget, mm. with him." Yeah, which I didn't really like the idea of. To be honest with you, no, I just thought, no, that's fucked. I don't, I don't want to take something that could go off. And they kind of took it out. They just basically just held it out and said, "Look, we're happy for you to take this." Um, set it up in the car in the ute that night and I took it and I put it in my pocket and then we all got on the ferry they had to get off the ferry well before I had many many stops after and I was by myself on this pretty weird ferry Mm. and I was just the sun was going down uh, my mind was just hurtling at a million miles an hour and I was feeling uh what's a good word um, slightly vulnerable in a weird way that I can't quite put my finger on. Mm. So, I just think that these things... Look, you know, I think the most powerful f- organ that we have
0: is is the brain. Well, it depends on the person. True. But um, it's a mighty powerful thing, Paul. Yeah, and it's very possible, you know, of course, to... I mean, look, I wasn't there. I don't know what you felt. I'm not discounting what you felt. But I find it so interesting that The history of that place is objectively terrible, and Mm. the history of that place is inextricably linked with law enforcement Mm. or something approximating law enforcement. Mm. You can't dispute that things happened there that, if you did believe in this stuff, would warrant investigation. Mm. And, I mean, sometimes I will go to places where terrible things have happened, and, you know- if I know that a terrible thing has happened, I walk in with, in a, with a certain mindset. I walk mm. in going, oh, man, think of all the history. And then at that point, I feel like I've become susceptible to- Okay. That's, know,
1: it's, I, I agree with you. But imagine yeah. if you could be transported somewhere yeah, yeah. and know nothing about the place. Yeah. Nothing.
0: Yeah. Like if someone said, all right, this creepy building actually was a They, they don't even say creepy. They don't tell you anything. They just
1: say building. Yeah, I yeah, understand. And they, and, and they blindfold you. Mm-hmm. They take you to a location- they take the blindfold off you're standing there and they just and they say for example
0: walk around and and then come back and tell us how you feel okay so when this show started you were sitting and this is again very recent you were sitting i would say on about a uh, believing scale probably a 2 out of 10 do you think that's fair to say mm, yeah that's yeah.
1: exactly what i was thinking
0: so where would you be sitting now
1: well between this episode and the next episode mm. uh, this episode sitting on- I'm trying to be really fair income here. So, let's say around about four, four and
0: a half. Okay. Pushing five, really yeah, pushing. Sh- that's that's a pretty big move in a pretty mm. short period. Now, I, I'm guessing that it's going to take something demonstrably more, you know, uh, evidence-based for you to mm. move that way. But- it's also worth pointing out that, you know, you were raised Roman Catholic, so you're not, you know, the the notion of belief is not something that is completely foreign to you. Um, I was sitting on a four, and I would say I've slid back down to about a two. Cool. So, well, that makes yeah. me feel as
1: though I'm not doing my job, Paul.
0: No, you are. I'm just, I feel like it's just interesting. We are just encountering these haunted sites, or purportedly haunted sites, and hearing the stories behind them. You know, on the Wakehurst Parkway, we talked about all the things that had happened there, and you sat on the road. I think what needs to happen quite soon is I need to go on site, mm. and what's actually going to happen in a future episode is I'm going to head to the old Melbourne jail mm. at night, and you get to call me. Cool. And, and you get to see how well I'm holding up. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously over the next few weeks, we've got some pretty intense stuff coming up, but if you have a site around Australia that you think is worth us looking into, uh, let us know. And also we'd like to hear about the stories behind these places. So if you know about specific crimes that occurred in some of these locations, let us know. We'd love to hear about them. Uh, Thank you so much for all the amazing correspondence. The feedback to this new season of Loose Units has been, like, absolutely overwhelming, so we cannot thank you enough. If you want to send us something, head to facebook.com forward slash Loose Units and shoot us a message. Have a fantastic week, everyone, and we'll see you later this week for Loose Ends. Bye. Cheerio.